0: And what I want to uh, share this morning is a little bit like that. It's a little bit like putting on some glasses and just getting a little bit of clarity. I'm not going to tell you anything new, but maybe bring a little bit of clarity to something that you've probably already seen, but hopefully we'll just see it a little bit clearer. Because I have a, a, a lot of expectation, I guess, this year, 2020. I, I think that uh, this year's going to be a good year. That's just my Feeling, my sensing that that God wants to do something in my life this year, uh, I want to become the person that He wants me to be. Anyone else want to continue to grow into the person that God custom built you? He made you for a purpose. You know, Paul, when he was in Athens preaching, said that God preordained the times and the seasons. You could have been born in 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 sixteen twelve in China, but you weren't. Okay, it wasn't chance. Paul says it wasn't chance. He said this is God's ordained time for you, so you're here for a reason. You're in Genelebar, Lismore, the West, whatever, for a reason in the year 2020 for a reason and for a purpose. And not only that, you're custom built for that purpose. So with that in mind, that you're here for a reason and custom built, I want to grow into that person that God created me to be. And I want to do the things that he put me here to do. Anyone else there? I don't want to just eke my way through. You know, I've often said it, eternity is that wall to so that wall. Your life and my life is that tiny little crack in between them concrete slabs. It's not a lot. So I want to do something with that tiny crack that contributes to the overall picture of what God is doing on planet Earth because he put me here for a reason. And part of that reason is to be part of that, growing into the person I'm meant to be, doing the things that I'm meant to do. So uh, John chapter 5, we've got this interesting story. And, and uh, you know, you've all heard it and read it along a, a lot of times but I want to have a look at something this morning like I said hopefully give us a bit of clarity on something we've already seen just help us see it a bit clearer John chapter 5 verse 1 to 9 it says this sometime later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals we don't know which one doesn't matter now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda which is surrounded by five covered colonnades or porches some some translations will say and in this place a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind the lame and the paralyzed now some Bible versions will have verse uh, 4 I think it is and some translations will go directly from verse 3 to 5 so you have a look at your Bible if you're missing verse 4 it's because they're not exactly sure whether this next comment was in the original manuscript or added somewhere later on but it's irrelevant so the The verse says something like this, that the people that were around this pool believed that an angel would come down and stir the waters. And when the angel stirred the waters, here it is there, when an angel stirred the waters, the first person to step into the pool was healed of their ailment. Whether that verse was in the original or not is irrelevant. What we do know from the story is this, people actually did believe that you would get healed if you were the first in the pool. And there must have been verifiable healings for this many people to be hanging around and for the man that we're talking about to have tried it at least once. I can imagine if he tried it at least once and somebody else beat him there and nothing happened, he probably would have been smart enough to go, what was that all about? I'll move on to something else. But he hung around. So whether it was an angel or what, they actually found this pool, I think within the last 50 years, archaeologists have discovered this pool. It was laying under a bunch of rubble and ruins, and what they found is it's actually an artesian well that uh, is fed from the mountains around Jerusalem. The water comes in from underground and bubbles up from underground and then recedes back down, and and the the hole is empty. So whatever it was, stuff was going on there, and this man was there with an expectation that something would happen, and it says in verse 5, One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. It's a long time. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water's stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus says this to him. He says, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. Pause. Then he picked up his mat and he walked. Do you want to get well? Sounds like a really dumb question to a guy that has been sick and infirm for 38 years. Do you actually want to get well? But I'm sure we're all aware Jesus doesn't ask dumb questions. He asks questions for a purpose and for a reason. It's interesting because in one sense it looks like the man doesn't even answer the question. He just goes straight to, well, I've got these situations happening. And I don't see how that's possible. That question, do you want to get well? If you have a look at that wording in the Greek, I don't know a lot of Greek, I just know a little bit Greek, little Greek. Owns a fish and chip shop, south of Brisbane. Used to be good mates. Spiro. But if you have a look at the Greek, here's what it actually says. The Greek word for do you want to is the word telo, T-H-E-L-O. What it actually means is it's a more forceful, aggressive term. Want is a very, do you want something? Telo is a little more aggressive. And a better translation of that verse is this, not do you want to get well, but have you determined to get well? That's what he's actually saying to this man. Have you determined to get well? It's one thing to want something in life, it's another thing to determine to get it. Me and Jackie wanted a house for a long, long time. We've wanted to buy a house. But it was only a few years ago that we determined we were going to get one. And when we determined we were going to get one, we started doing some things. We started saving. wasn't a lot, but we started taking a little bit and going, well, you've got to start somewhere, and putting a little bit of money across. And we started looking online at what houses were and working out where we could end up. And we started doing some things towards what we had determined to do. For years we'd wanted a house, but we'd never done anything because wanting something is kind of like wishing for it. I I just want this to happen, you know. Determining is when you get to that point where you go, well, I'm going to do what I can do at my end to work towards that and to make that thing happen. And this is what Jesus is saying to him. What's your attitude towards this infirmity? Situation for 38 years. For 38 years, your life has been limited. Who you are has been limited, what you've been able to do been limited for 38 years, after 38 years, have you decided that you're determined to get beyond this, or do you just want it? And I think about my life, and if you think about your life, I'm sure we've all got limitations in our world, things that are stopping us becoming the people that we know we're meant to be, and things that are stopping us doing the things that we know we were put here to do. Anything that stops you being who God wants you to be and stops you doing what God wants you to do is a limitation on your life. And Jesus is saying to this man, do you want that limitation removed or are you determined to see that limitation removed? And there's a massive, massive difference between the two questions. Think about your own limitations in life. What are the things in your world that are stopping you becoming who you know you're meant to be or stopping you doing the things that you know you're meant to do? Maybe it's sin. Maybe there's a sin in your life, something that's that's there, that's got a grip of you and you're struggling. And you've been struggling for years to break through of it. And Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe uh, there's a hurt in your life, something that's happened somewhere. And you know that it's limited you. You know that you can't get past that moment in time. And every time you think you have, it's like a big rubber band. You get to a point and snap. It just brings you back. And you're right back where you started from. Maybe it's a disappointment. Something hasn't gone that you thought it would go. Maybe it's a habit that you've got and you've just developed this habit by continuously doing something over and over and over and over again and maybe you're thinking, you know that that habit is limiting you from being who God wants you to be and limiting you from doing what God wants you to do. Maybe it's a past memory of something you've done. Maybe there's shame, guilt, things that you've done. And every time you think about a future that, that of, of who God wants you to be and what you should do, maybe you think back of what you, who you have been and what you have done and you can't get past that. You can't see how I can be that person and do that thing because of this thing back here. Maybe it's the consequence of an action that you live with or the consequence, maybe, of somebody else's actions. When you're a child or when you're younger or something else somebody else has done. Anything in life that you look at, that you know is limiting you becoming who you're meant to become and doing what you're meant to do. The question that God would say, the same question that Jesus said to this man is, do you want to be free from that or have you determined to get free from that? And it's a very, very different question. One's a very passive thing and one's active. Do you want to get well or have you determined to get well? A limitation is anything anything that stops you from being all God made you to be and doing all that God put you here to do. We know this man wanted to get well. We know that because his response Well I want to but you know, these people nobody's going to come and pick me up and carry me. I mean if he was determined and I was sick for 38 years I would have myself strung up hanging one millimetre from the water's surface and the minute I saw a roll in. So I don't know where he is, how far away he is, but he just looks like a person that wants to get well. But I'm going to wait for everybody else. I'm going to wait for my ducks to line up, the planets to line up, somebody else to... It's all dependent on something else. Well, hang on, the starting point really comes back to the answer to that question. Do you just want to get well? Do you want to get free? Do you want to begin the journey away from that thing? Or have you determined that you're going to walk away from that thing? Imagine what 2020 could look like at the end of the year. If you picture that limitation and instead of being like a rubber band where you get so far away and you drag back, what if that rubber band could snap this year? What if you could get to the end of this year and be free from that sin? What if you could get to the end of this year and be free from that habit? What if you could get to the end of this year and have forgiven that person that you feel like you can't forgive? What if you could get to the end of 2020 and let go of that bitterness and that resentment and that anger and all that stuff that's built up inside that you know? It's stopping you being who you're meant to be and therefore stopping you doing what you know you're meant to do. We've all got those things in our world. What if you could get to the end of the year and have those things broken over your life and be free, no longer a part of your world? What would your world look like? How would you feel at the end of a year if your story was out? I know how I'd feel. I'd feel pretty good. So Jesus says to this guy, do you want to get well? And this is his che- Let me let me give you the new Allen version of his answer. Here's the New Allen translation. He says this, he says, I want to, but it won't happen. And here's why. Look at me, I'm an invalid. I can't get down to the water quick enough, and nobody here is trying to help me get to the water. In fact, other people are running past me and diving in. Do I want to get well, Jesus? Yes, but I'm sorry, the odds are stacked against me. Anyone been watching the tennis? Oh, it's Tennessee. Yep, I, I love the underdog. Who loves the underdog? I love cheering for the underdog. And you know what you find with most underdogs? They don't see themselves as underdogs. Everybody else does. Everybody else thinks they can't win, but they go into these battles with a confidence inside that I don't care what the media says. I don't care what the odds are on sports bet. You might be one to one, and I might be a hundred to one. I don't care about any of that stuff because it doesn't matter about all the externals. It matters about on the inside. And they go in, they don't see themselves as underdogs. They see themselves as somebody that has the potential to win that match. And I think this morning when it comes to those limitations and things in our life, when we don't overcome them, when we live with them, imagine 38 years, I can understand why this guy gets to 38 years and just goes, there's no chance, I will always be bitter, twisted and angry. I will always be held back by that mistake. I will always be held back by that habit. I will never break free from that sin. I can imagine getting to that point and thinking it won't happen. Because the odds are heavily stacked against me. History tells me. Others have said. My experience shows me. Well, I want to tell you something this morning, just in the remaining minutes we've got. I want to tell you that's an absolute lie. The odds are not stacked against you. As a matter of fact, the odds are heavily, heavily in your favor. Did you know that? If you want to be the person God wants you to be, the odds are heavily stacked in your favor. If you want to do with your life what God wants you to do, the odds are heavily stacked in your favour. And I want to give you three reasons in the remaining time. We've got three reasons why I'm convinced that the odds are stacked in your favour. Here's an interesting thing. If you go into the New Testament, those writings, and you read the prayers of the New Testament, here's one thing that you'll notice very, very quickly. There are not a lot of prayers. Paul is not praying a lot of prayers. Peter, James, these guys, when they, they're not praying lots of prayers where they're saying, God, would you do this for these people? Most of the prayers are along this line. God, would you reveal to these people what you have done? You ever notice that? Go to Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, I think it is, Paul's prayer. Lord, I pray the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened, that they might know the power of God that they might see what you've done. And most of the prayers we read in the New Testament are not about, God, would you do something extra for us? More so, it's, God, will you let us understand and have the faith to believe what you have already done? And sometimes I wonder, do we spend our life praying, God, would you do this? Would you do that? Would you do this? And God's going, here's the deal. I've already done it. I've told you I've done it, and you won't believe it. So if I do something else, what makes you think you'll believe it that time? What makes you think that you're going to believe it? I've already done so much for you. And so this morning, these three things, I want to give you three reasons why the odds are stacked in your favour. So you can put on those spiritual glasses and just get a little more clarity on a couple of things. These are the reasons why I believe the odds are heavily stacked in your favour. Number one, because you have been repositioned. You have been repositioned. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, it says this, For he has... Delivered us. Everyone say he has. Not he's thinking about it. Not he's trying to come up with a way to do it. Not he's umming and ring, Not he's in two minds. It says he has. Paul's writing to these churches in this region, the Colossae. And he's saying to them, you know what, it's wonderful you guys have come to faith. And he's talking to them about what happened when they came to Christ. And if you're in this room today and you've crossed that line, you've given your life to Jesus, I'm telling you, whether you got a goosebump, whether you felt a holy trickle down your spine, or whether you felt nothing. If you genuinely gave your life to Christ, this is your position. This is what God did in that moment. He took you from here, from the kingdom of darkness, the power of darkness, and it says he conveyed, it literally means he lifted you up, and he carried you over here, and he plopped you down in a brand spanking new place. So anything you do from this point on is being done from the place where you are surrounded by God, You are surrounded by his love. You are surrounded by his grace. Surrounded by his mercy. You are in the kingdom of the son of his love. You are in the kingdom of God right now. You are no longer over here in the kingdom of darkness unable to break. No, no, you're over here. You've been absolutely, totally repositioned. Years ago, I went and played a touch football tournament in Cleveland. We were living in central Queensland, and I was playing for central Queensland, and I remember it because there was so much rain that you couldn't run, literally could not run. This was a national tournament, and your foot would go in the ground, and as you brought it up, it was like a... and you would lose your shoe. It was that thick. There was one patch of grass uh, where it was a bit raised and it was dry. And so the whole game was simply spent trying to get to that. And the first person that got to that was going to run away and score. You couldn't stop them. And so the whole game, the whole weekend, we're just trudging through the mud, trying, straining to get to that patch of ground where we could actually go forward and score a try and win the game. What this is saying is that you don't have to trudge and try to get to that place. God did that for you. God picked you up and he placed you on that patch of dry ground so that you are now free to run. You can now start heading in that direction that you need to go because you're in a different place. Your starting point is different. Say it again. He has. He's not trying to. He has. Do you believe that? He has. The second reason why I think the odds are heavily stacked in your favor is this. Not only have you been repositioned, you've actually been repowered. You've been re powered. <laughs> 2 Peter 1 and verse 3 says this His divine power has given to us, say, has given to us. Not thinking about it, not trying to work out a way to get it to you, not waiting till you're more holy, not waiting till you're more righteous, not waiting till you've broken free of that limitation. He has given you something right now. He's given you power. Why? So that you can live a godly life. He's given you power so that you can live the kind of life that he calls you to live. How many of you have kids and you've gone and bought a present at Christmas time or maybe grandkids or friends, you bought a present and the present was something that needed batteries. Anyone ever done this? But you didn't read the box where it says batteries not included. And you wrap it up and you give it to them and you're so pumped and excited. They're so excited and you think, yeah, mum and dad of the year. And then they go, where's the batteries? And you go, what? And you pick up the box and you flick it in. Batteries not included. And all of a sudden you feel like the worst mum and the worst dad because big day Christmas, there's the toy, but guess what? You can't play with it. Nothing's open. Can't get your batteries. Sorry. From the top of the pile to the bottom in one moment. I hate batteries not included. Well, what this verse is saying is that when you came to faith, the batteries were included. He has given you, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything you need to go forward has been given to you. Everything you need to be the person that you're called to be, it's already there. Everything you need to do the things that you need to do to move in that general direction, everything you need is there. You have been repositioned and you have been repowered. And the third reason why I believe the odds are heavily stacked in your favor in 2020 to break free of that thing, to bust out and to go forward. The third reason why I believe the odds are heavily stacked in your favor is not only have you been repositioned and repound, but you've actually been released. You've been released. Galatians 5 and verse 1 says this. You got it up there? Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Say, has made us. Not he's thinking about. Not he's trying to work it out. It says that he has made you free. Have you ever thought about that? You are free. You've been repositioned, taken from here and plopped over there. Then you've been given the power you need, with the, in the environment you need, to do what you need. And then you've had the doors of the prison opened up. I had this frog. We've got this frog and it annoys me. Anyone got a frog in a drain pipe at their house? Yeah, isn't it annoying? Well, it's kind of it's kind of annoying. I I try to with the animals when oh loud noise please. What, what 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 I what I what I I don't mind them singing praises to God because that's what they're doing. I believe they're singing praise that that's frog praise to the creator of the universe. Um, and I don't mind that. What annoys me is he does it at two o'clock in the morning, and he positions himself in the drain pipe right in the laundry where it's going to echo the most throughout the house. So at two in the morning, he starts his froggy praise. Well, that's a crow, but you know what I mean. Croak, croak, croak. He starts it, two in the morning. Why couldn't you do it some other time? You've got all this other time, two in the morning he does it. So anyway, he's been there since we pretty much moved in the house. So Christmas time, I had my moment, my opportunity. We're outside. Our boys had come up to visit. We're outside. And there's a drain pipe on the outside side of the house, which sort of connects to the laundry. Well, we're standing out there with the boys, and I hear him croaking. And I think, oh, he's, he's here. He's, he's at the outside drain. I look inside the drain. He's only like a, a foot under, looking up. So I did what... I knew it was a noble thing to do. I grabbed the drain pipe cover and I pulled it off and I stepped back and I waited for that moment. I knew it was going to happen. He's going to come out. He's going to look around. He's going to see me. He's going to hop over to me. He's going to look at me with those froggy eyes and there's going to be a connection because I set him free. He's going to look at me and and just in a non-verbal way say, I love you men. And I'm going to look back at him and say, I know and I love you too. Every morning when I get up and go out in my balcony and have my coffee, those birds that come along and sit there and I feed them seeds, my frog's going to start coming along too and he's just going to hop up on the railing. We're just going to look at each other. Not say nothing because I can't speak frog and he can't speak human. But there's a connection and we know it. So I'm standing there waiting. It's all going to begin. 10 seconds, 20, a minute, 10, 15. I think I left the cover off for like three hours. I'll go back and have a look and you know what he's done? He's crawled back down into the drainpipe and around the s Bend. He just didn't want to come out. And I'm thinking, why would you want to live in that drainpipe when you've just been set free? Why would you want to stay in the confines of that limitation? You see, when I took the cover off, I wasn't offering him freedom. He was actually free. He just had to walk in that freedom and begin that journey in the freedom that was given to him. When the prison door is open, you're free. But you can still sit in the cell, even though you're free. Freedom is about that journey out of this stuff. And whatever your limitation is, what I want to say to you today is this. The odds are heavily stacked in your favor to be able to walk away from that thing, to break out of that limitation, to... Get to that space to be the person you're meant to be. And the reason why is because God has repositioned you, because God has repowered you, and God has opened the door and he has released you. What you need to do is walk in that freedom. Walk in that power. Stand in that position, in that place. See, this is what Paul was praying in Ephesians. He's saying, God, I'm not praying for you to do something else for them. I'm praying that you would help them understand what you've already done. Have faith in what you've already done and start walking in that. Start walking in that. God does those three things. He's done three things. He's repositioned you, he's repowered you, and he's released you. There's one other re I want to leave you with, and it's retrained. And you've got to do that yourself. I went to a circus many years ago, as many of you probably have. And when you go to the circus, there's this elephant and a huge, massive beast. And you have a look at his leg and he's just got a rope or a chain tied from his leg that goes along to this peg in the ground. You ever seen that? You know what happened when that elephant was really, really tiny? They put a chain around his leg and a peg in the ground and they chained him to that peg. And he tried to get away. And he realised he couldn't. And he tried again and he couldn't. And he tried again and he couldn't. And eventually he stopped trying. He stopped trying. He gets loaded up in the back of the truck, taken to the next place. They open up the tents. They lay out the circus. He does his gig. He goes back in. They move him to another place, another town, another region, another season. By the time I see him, he's huge. He's huge. But he's got the same chain. He's got the same size peg in the ground. And I'm looking at that thing And it's intimidating because I'm thinking, man, I I know. I know that that thing can't hold you if you want to take off. Other people are coming in, they're buying their circus tickets and they're looking at him and I can tell, you're thinking the same thing. Nothing can hold this guy. If he wants to, he can bust that thing and go. All the circus performers are getting around their makeup on behind the tents. They They know the same thing if he wants to. The ringmaster knows it if he wants to. The guy that parades him around in the ring, he knows that if that thing wants to, he can bust that. a matter of fact, the guy that tied him there knows that if you want to walk in that, if you want to walk away from that, you can. But it doesn't matter what any of those people know and believe, does it? Because the elephant doesn't believe it. Because he doesn't believe it, doesn't do anything about it. He just stays there, tied to the peg. We've got to Allow ourselves to be retrained. And I know, I know that when you use the F word in church, in our faith, it can be weird and flaky. But there is so much that God has already done for us. So much that was achieved 2,000 years ago on the cross. So much that transpired and happened in your life that day that you surrendered your will to him. So many things happened the reality of them in your everyday life begins when you dare to believe. Because when you believe, you get a true picture of who you are, what you have, where you're heading. And from that place, you can begin to outwalk that freedom. See, we stand right now in a place of victory. We're more than conquerors. We really are. Why? Because look at where we're positioned. Look at where we're standing. Look at the power that's been given to us. Look at the release that we've been given by God. That's why we're more than conquerors but it really doesn't matter if we don't believe it. So we've got a choice in 2020. We can listen to the voices that are being thrown at us from over here. You'll never break free. It's just your lot in life. Or we can listen to the voices that are over here in the kingdom of God that are screaming at us going, you're more than a conqueror, you can make it. Get up and go again. Have another go. You can beat this thing you've got the power of God on your side you've got the spirit of God in you all the doors in front of you have been flung open but you've got to walk in them it says at the end of that passage in John that Jesus said these words to the invalid he said to him get up, pick up your mat and walk and then it says as soon as Jesus said that something happened and what happened? the man was cured man had a choice. He could have just stayed there, even though he was cured. But in the end, he did what Jesus said. Okay, I'll get up and I'll start walking. And I'll begin to walk in the freedom that he's given me. I'll begin to walk in the power that he's given me. I'll begin to walk in that place that he's put me. I want to leave you with that thought, end of 2020. What could 2020 look like for you? If you actually took the opportunity to crawl out of the drain pipe and break free of that limitation, what could 2020 look like for you? What could it hold for you? And what could it hold for the world around you? Because God knows I wish he crawled out of that pipe because he's bugging the heck out of me. (laughs) His limitations have an impact on me as well. What could 2020 look like for you if you determined to take the steps you need to take to break free? and to bust out father i just thank you for this morning lord i pray uh god for each of us in this room here right now lord whatever those limitations are in our world god if if you're speaking something to anyone here lord i pray that you'd seal that word in their hearts father don't let them get up and walk out of here and uh, father just get on with life and forget anything that the holy spirit might be saying Lord, I pray you guard that word in their hearts. And Father, I pray for each of us, God, that we would, uh, Lord, look at the limitations in our own life. And God, that we would understand, Father, that we're not looking at that limitation as somebody that has been defeated, God. We're not looking at that opposition and going, we're we're 101 odds to beat this. Father, we are the favourites, God, because you've placed us in a place of victory, because you've empowered us for victory. And because you've removed the obstacles to victory that are in front of us as well. And Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, let that revelation burn inside of us. God, let us see that. God, one thing to talk about it, but let us see it with the eyes of our heart. Let us see it on the inside of us, that we are truly what you say. God, we are more than conquerors. Father, we are the head and not the tail. Father, we are called. God, to be the people you've called us to be and we are called to make a difference in this world and do those things that you have empowered us and created us to do, Father. And Lord, I pray in the next seven days as we leave here, every single person in this room, Lord, give us an opportunity to tell somebody about you, God, somebody that up to this point in their life doesn't understand that there's a God in heaven who loves them so much that he gave his life for them, Father. Help us pass that message on to the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Bless you guys. Um, Enjoy. The rest of your week, uh, we will be getting our little calendars out very shortly too, with our upcoming worship nights and barbecues and all that sort of. Uh, of stuff, and also we are disappearing on holidays in about seven minutes, so um, if we run off, we're not being rude. Uh, We've got a fantastic uh, preacher coming along next week, Um, all the way from, well, it's only a couple hundred metres up the road, really, but uh, Daniel's going to be preaching next week, so I'm looking forward to jumping on iTunes and having a listen to that. God bless you guys, enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll catch up with you later on.